Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Oh, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey diddly hey hey, it's hey, the chief! Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, retro S jobs coming at you from uh, sunny Queensland. Yeah, yeah. So it's after dark and uh, dude I am well lubricated, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if it was yeah, evident okay. before we <laughs> before we started rolling, but... No. <laughs> you've had a few, you've had a few tinnies. Indeed, I just got back from a dinner party and I'm, I'm, I'm liquid man. This okay. could be a very interesting show. <laughs> Question everyone wants to know, shirt on, shirt off? Socks on, even. So, <laughs> I don't know. They say there's going to be a cold snap. They say that Australia is going to get a little bit of uh, a cold front coming in, which is yeah. hilarious. I would still swim in this weather. People in the complex that we live in think I'm mad to set foot in the pool, but whatever, man. I yeah. come from colder climes, man. This is, this is not winter. Sometimes you just got to get your dip on. You know it? Dude, where I'm from, <laughs> this is summer. It's hilarious right. that, that people are like wearing cardigans and scarves. I'm like, oh, yeah, what yeah. are you talking about? Man up. Man up, Australia. Yeah, yeah I said it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, well, apart from getting uh, smashed up at dinner parties, what else have you been up to this week? I bought a mountain bike on Facebook Marketplace. I believe, nice. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that there is a, a bicycle theft syndicate in townsville (laughs) because i've been seeing very good bikes for ridiculous prices and it's like a case of like they won't hold it for you if you say you're interested they're like sorry first come first serve so you can drive out into the sticks wherever these sellers are located to buy their dodgy bike and you know sorry mate we (laughs) we sold it five minutes ago (laughs) like tough shit i managed to come right and believe me this guy did not look like a bicycle thief in fact, he didn't even look like a guy who could be potentially riding a bicycle. Uh, but <laughs> I still had the gall to ask him, any particular reason why you're selling the bike, mate? He was like, ah, dodgy knee. <laughs> I mean, dodgy knee, yeah? Yeah, no, he was, he was a big lad. So I, I think his, his bicycle days were behind him, perhaps. <laughs> did you cycle it home or how did you get there to then collect it? Oh, I just yanked off the front wheel and banged it in the back of the hatchback. The wife's Got car, it. yeah. So I'm okay. mobile again, Chief. It's wonderful. And now, now it's time to start looking for a job because eh, for the first time in three months, I am work legal. Okay, fantastic news. Wahoo. Look out, Australia. I'm about to <laughs> take all the minimum wage. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what yeah. to do, Chief. I, I have worked one industry my entire professional life. Yeah. 15 years. You know, straight out of varsity, the first thing that beckoned my name was performing arts, and I've been doing it solidly since then. I don't know what I can offer, but I'm prepared to do whatever it takes. I'm just so bored, man. Yeah, yeah. get back out there. And need money, actually. Yes, of course. <laughs> as, yes. as as you do. How are you doing, yeah. buddy? Not bad. Now, speaking of bicycles, um, that's coincidental. I just cycled up to the to the post office to post something and almost had a bit of a bit of a prang and uh, a prang is that maybe that's a colloquialism as well do you know prang 
I'm going to plead the fifth until we get to the section. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. I'll, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll use it. I'll use, well, I've, I've kind of given given it away what it might be. But Ooh, yeah, so there was a car Google. coming the other way. If there's a car coming the other way, it was a bit of a narrow passage. So, and um, I slammed on the brake and the brake locked and my back wheel just slid out massively. I did a super power slide, kind of like when I'm driving these Skeletrix cars and drifting around the corners. I did a I did a super power slide on my bicycle and I managed to avoid any accidents. But I think I've worn through that brake pad. I'm going to need to buy a new one. So um, Chief, anyway, how's your wife's face, dude? You know, I actually just re-listened to that episode. Oh wow! Because I think it was uh, Chris's first episode on the pod. Uh, okay. First official episode, sort of the handover oh, yeah. episode, and yeah. it was dropped, dropped him in hot and heavy. Well, with <laughs> Louise coming off her bike, man. At Centerpox. You're quite correct. So that was May 2019. Uh, so end of May, I think. And yes, it, it is pretty much physically all healed. Well, it is physically all healed. Oh, wonderful. She still gets a few minor headaches every now and again. You know, serious head head trauma, head concussion. Jeez, so. buddy. And certainly a little bit of trauma about getting back on a bicycle. Yeah, we were going to go back to back to Centre Parks, which is kind of like a holiday resort again this year, uh, this this May. And you know, she was like, "Yeah, I want to get back on the bike." You know, it doesn't concern her at all. Wants to show Evelyn that you know nothing to be worried about. But Centre Parks obviously closed down, lockdown because of COVID and stuff. But um, yeah, thank you for asking, sir. It was very kind of you. So uh, yeah, she's she's doing well. She's doing well. The only other thing I've been up to this week is I bought The Last of Us Two for full price 45 pounds well it's 50 i found a voucher for five so i got 45 pounds the last of us two because the last of us i bought that on playstation 3 and i maintain that is in the top five my, my top five all-time games all formats okay so, so it's up there with wipeout 2097 um, wipeout 2097 yeah shit what else Se- road sega, rash sega rally on the sega, rally. sega saturn nhl hockey 94 on the mega drive and the fifth one, I'm not sure. That's probably a revolving spot between... I'd have to put the thinking <laughs> oh, cap yeah. on. Top five then, hey? You've got a revolving spot. So that's basically the top infinity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? it's in the top four then. It's in the top four. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, well, that means something. Jeez. Yeah, and also you have literally there given me an idea. Cheap plug, as always happens on Talking Joe. Go over to the Outer Timers. We've got a Patreon there and... One of the bonus contents we're dishing out, there's going to be one coming out on the 1st of July, I think, is something called Nostalgia Nights. Me and Ben are going to just reminisce on stuff, uh, deep dive on stuff. And I think I'm going to put it to him. Let's uh, come up with our top 10 video games, all formats of all time. So you've inspired a section there. So if you want to listen to that, you've got to subscribe to the Patreon listeners. So get over there and check that out. But yes, Last of Us 2, I'm about an hour in. And what I'm finding is, I don't know if you played the first one. Oh, Chief, if it wasn't released in the previous millennium, I haven't played it, yes. sadly. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but this one, what I'm finding about an hour in, is it's it's almost like I'm playing the first game to the point where, yes, graphically it looks better, and I know it's going to d- deep dive into something more and develop and adapt into something more, but right now I'm like, it's not grabbing me as I thought it would because it's too similar to the first game. So that's my recap mm. there. I suppose there's always the danger of one of two things happening. Either they try and completely break the mold and give you something fresh, or they're just trying to shovel you more of the same experience that you had because winning formula. So it's the latter, and you're not impressed. Well, I'm not not impressed. It's it's a really good game, and I'm going to play a bit more today uh, as well. But, you know, I'm as impressed as I was with the first game. 
but I think I like you said the expectation waiting seven years for a game you've got certain expectations and I think it will get there I, I I've no doubt about that so I'm going to keep plugging away um nice Listen, man, I'm hungry. You've sent me a picture of your snack, and it's got me jazzed that I wanted that snack, but uh, it's time for the snack police. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy, washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy, chewy sweets, cookies, built-on and jerky, snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers, bad mother truckers, and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, knockout snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. Snack police are in there. His house. Well, Chief, I don't blame you that you're jazzed about my snack. But forgive me, man. I've just come from a dinner party. I'm liquored and fooded to the max. <laughs> so this time yesterday, I was jonesing for the snack. I was like, yes, please. I've never had okay. these. Though I feel what? like... I feel like I have. I mean, it's one of those... Okay, for the listener's benefit, these are fig rolls. Yeah. Sun-drenched figs baked in golden pastry oh yeah baby. so decadent and as i say i feel like i've had them i must have but i i cannot for the life of me recall i mean i i, I can almost feel and taste the texture of them before i've opened this bag right but I, I don't know it still feels like a new experience to me because i've never it's not a product that i've ever bought so let's see okay. if the reality lives up to the expectation oh huh they're smaller than I anticipated, just wider than my thumb. I'm going to say you've got somewhere in the region of 12 in that packet. Buddy, it's, yes, they're th- it's, it's four stacks of three. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. I know my fig rolls. You do indeed. It's by a brand called Bollins. Is this a British yep. brand? Bollins, yep, yep. Okay, yep, I've okay. had them. All right. And All right. McVitie's is another fine purveyor of fig rolls. It seems firmer than I expected, but here comes a bite. Hmm. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, man. Yeah? Thumbs up. Not quite as sweet as I had anticipated. No, and also what you might find is a little bit dry. It's hard to get a nice moist fig roll with a a kind of non-very drying pastry. True, true, true. Perhaps they would be better if they were fresh. Well, I don't know. They're probably my favourite. See, they're in the biscuit aisle in the Mm. UK. And, you know, along with your rich teas, your digestives, all that kind of stuff, and your ginger nuts. And are they biscuits, though? Because it's kind of pastry with fruit yeah. in the middle. You'd expect Don't them know. to be Don't in know. the bakery section. But, I mean, since Possibly. they aren't fresh, they are, you know, pre-packed. They're in their little tray. And then with a plastic wrapper over the tray. Yeah, sold alongside the biscuits because that's pretty much the format that you're buying them in. Yeah. But this is something that I would expect to see, like, at a... A farm stall, you know, on the road somewhere. Yes. You know, some yeah. old auntie. I've got a problem with fig rolls because mm. if I buy a pack, I <laughs> literally have to eat all of the whole pack. So I d- they're probably about 100 calories per fig roll or 70 calories per, per fig roll. See, I'm probably 1,000 calories deep after I finish that pack. And I have it with a cup of tea and I like to dunk them in the tea. Ah, uh, that would probably be the next step. I don't know, yeah. Chief. Um, I'm no Englishman. Because it just moistens it for me. Why, you're losing your teeth there, Chief. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I've actually got... I'm double whammy in. I'm double whammy in this week. I've got a beverage for the show because I'm in the loft and it, I'm sweating like a large person in a discotheque. Beverage so, for the show. I've got a Krabby's Original Alcoholic Ginger Beer made to our unique steeped ginger recipe. I had a, an alcoholic ginger beer tonight as well. Five, 500 oh, nice. ml. 
eight percent. That's what I got. Eight percent. Eight, buddy. That's why I'm so fucking merry. <laughs> so, over here in the UK, pretty much any alcoholic ginger beer you will find is four percent. Mm. Smart. <laughs> ah, that is um. Oh, that is quenching my thirst. But now I'm going to the snack. So here, I've got a bag of. It just says chickpeas, spicy, <laughs> 99p. They're made by a company called Krish, uh, K-R-I-S-H, vegetarian specialty snacks. Let's get them open. This is, uh, how big is this bag? 275 grams. If I were to consume the whole packet, it would be hundred about 1,300 calories. You chew your way Let's through that, that, Chief. I'm getting a little bit warm in my room, so the shirt's coming oh, off, baby. Whoa, baby! Good job I'm not on video. Um, now, I've had dried spiced chickpeas before. Um, not quite as spicy as this. These are fairly fairly hot in the taste buds. But overall, taste-wise, it's a one thumb up from Chief, not two. Mm. Soz, but then again, you know, swings and roundabouts, mate. It seems the beverage is winning today. Yeah, and the problem is, they are... Spicy and a bit salty, which is very, very Moorish. So I'm going to actually... Bear me, listeners. I'm putting the headset down. I'm going to move these to the other side of the room. <laughs> bear me. No, Chief. you got to drink, um, brother. you got to play catch-up. It's too late. I'm going. I've got the packet. I've got the packet. I'm taking it right over <laughs> to the other side of the room. I don't know if you can still hear me. We can indeed, Chiefy. I'm putting it down there. And then uh, coming back, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Because after I've... um finish this podcast i've got to go and make a katsu curry so right uh snacks done catch up done it must be time to talk about comics it's comic talk it's comic talk baby chief and steve discussing like crazy larry harmer riding these bad boys making sense of the wackiest toys listen as we talk about story arcs making noise louder than junkyard box talking about character motivations and all the various gi joe fun locations right uh, what are we covering this time? Uh, is it 197 and 198 of Real American Hero? Correct, Mondo. These came out in December 2013 and January 2014. Uh, let's talk about the covers. 197. So I've got Snake Eye Scholar and Timber Mark III on the cover. <laughs> Trip. <laughs> Walking through some wreckage with smoke plumes in the background. Nice yeah. colouring on this one. Lovely stuff. I was a bit of a weirdo this afternoon. I... This afternoon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nine o'clock at night, Chief. Anyway. I, I meant, I meant uh, you're a weirdo all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that too. But I, I, I walked around the apartment kind of trying to replicate Snake Eyes' pose. It's... it's, it's <laughs> what time were you lickered up? <laughs> oh, yeah. Long game, mate. It's a, it's a five day. Uh, not a test. No, it's... In every one of these covers that I have access to Harmer's original sketch, I do the comparison game. And I'm like, where is the master really shining? And it's in making his character's postures that much more natural. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But maybe there is something to Snake Eyes' gate being kind of a little bit unnatural, a little bit off kilter. Maybe maybe Gallant is onto something with this cover. But what he, what isn't correct, strictly speaking, is, is the coloring. Uh, which I assume is is uh, also Gallant's. Uh, on the cover, let me have a look. It is uh, no Jay Brown, who is also on interiors. So Jay Brown 
perhaps gave the <laughs> the the mass release cover a little bit more incentive than um, he should have, because right. notice Scarlet's cleavage. Yes, that section should be filled in with the color of her her purple unitard. Right, of course. You can even yes. see the lapels of her high collar. Yes, you're right. In her neck. I don't think those are necessarily neck creases. That is... Right. I mean, if you just compare it to the the inset at the top of the comic book, you know, with the, yeah, the yeah, issue yeah, number yeah. and the, the recommended sales price. Yeah, that section should be purple. Uh, Good catch. Yeah. Boobalicious, baby. Uh, I ain't complaining <laughs> much. <laughs> what are your observations, Chief? No, it's, it's good. I, like, I kind of like the composition of it. You know, it tells you that something's going down. I really like the colouring, the kind of the, the smoky burnt orange colouring. There's not necessarily much movement in the image, but there kind of is a lot of movement in the image, if you get my meaning. It's... Mm. Um, it's portraying, you know, good stuff there. Bit of a curveball in that, like, when I saw this, I thought, this is Sierra Gordo. This is the airfield. Ah, yes. But we learn it's yes. actually the pit. And that comes yes. as one hell of a surprise. Yeah, I thought I'd missed an issue here. <laughs> I thought I'd missed an issue this reread, and I thought I missed an yeah. issue exactly a year ago when I did my first read of these issues. So it's, it's Okay, right. It's, it's, it's not just me then. We'll come on to that when we dig into the interiors. Indeed. But, um, let's have a look at 198. Yeah. Well, we've got some big stuff going down here. We've got Roblox, who has a bit of a Larry Harmerism going on. He has got a sucking chest wound. <laughs> Loves that term. Kind of like, yeah. what? I mean, I know this is selling high drama, but it, it kind of gives away too much, don't you think? Or maybe it gives away just enough. You kind of are dreading that this is in our future. This is coming. This event. Yeah, we know. We've had covers. The Mean Dog on the front cover. Okay, fine. I don't mind seeing the Mean Dog because that means, oh, cool, the Mean Dog's going to be in this issue. But it doesn't. I don't know what the Mean Dog's going to do in the issue. But here, we're actually seeing, like you mentioned, a key story point that has been effectively spoiled for us. Hmm. You know, it's a good cover, very dynamic cover, but does it give away too much? And one other thing, eh, because I'm Steve and I like to nitpick, Lady J's got the Navy and Marine Corps jump wings on her cap, as opposed to the, ah, right. the, the, the sort of the, the regular sort of basic parachutist's badge. Yeah, yeah. I suppose she's entitled to wear both. I think to get the, the wings outstretched like that, you have to have done at least five jumps. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lady okay. J's probably done about 10 times that. So yes. yeah, she's well well entitled to wear that badge. And if I got it wrong, listeners, please come at me. But uh, as far as my Wikipedia, very brief Wikipedia research dictates, those outstretched wings are from the Naval and Marine Corps. Ah, good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Details. So let's have a look inside and just to catch people up. Last time on A Real American Hero, the situation in Sierra Gordo is desperate. Former G.I. Joe member Robert Graves, a.k.a. Grunt, is being held captive by rebels, along with an American ambassador, a Marine, and the president of Sierra Gordo herself. But when G.I. Joe goes all out on its rescue attempt, they fail to foresee that the rebels had prepared for them. Each G.I. Joe team undertaking the rescue mission has been taken captive. It's up to the Joes left at the pit, led by Lieutenant Falcom, to swoop in and fix things. Interesting. Does Lieutenant Falcon play a role in fixing this? Not really, no. And he doesn't really sweep in and do anything, does he? <laughs> no. But I, I guess he gave these guys their marching orders. Though, like like every other Joe team that preceded them, the Mean Dog team kind of are taking the law into their own hands. They were all, like, ready and prepped to go long before the situation deteriorated. Yes. 
Yeah. We do open with the Rio Lindo airport scene. And one thing that I really, really enjoy on the first page is the fact that Gallant has recaptured, and it's at an obscure angle, which doubles the difficulty in getting it yes. right. The um, the mean dog's insignia, it's, it's design. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got that dog, sort of barking dog in a white circle. I mean, if it was super detailed, we'd see sort of these radiating circles coming out of the, the dog's mouth, right. like it's barking. Okay. Uh, but but you would you would, it's, it's it's the kind of thing that you wouldn't have begrudged any artist to not have included that. Totally, you, know, you wouldn't have totally. picked it out. So the fact that it's there is like, oh, I really, you know, th- this guy is clearly. Let's try and get him on the show. Yeah, Are you up for that? Oh, dream come true, man. Yes. All right. Cool. Cool. Let's do. Let's, I'm going to reach out to to the to the big man and uh, see if he'll come on. Outstanding. Yeah. yeah. No, his attention to detail is second to none at this point. On top of being a consummate artist, he is a fan of the details. He's a fan of toys. I've said it so many times, but I'm convinced he is just soaking up everything that G.I. Joe, a real American hero, had to offer. Yeah, really good, really good. I don't have that many notes on my page for these two issues. I don't know if that is a detriment to the lack of goings on or just that I was sucked in and just was reading, reading, reading and not making notes. But um, there ain't nothing wrong with that, Chief. Ain't nothing no, wrong ex- at all. No, exactly, exactly. I, I did enjoy these two issues and there actually was more going on than, than I first thought. And there was quite a lot of intriguing bits, um, not least of which the kind of leader of the, the rebels, this General Mercado, pretty much immediately turns face and kind of sides with the Joes, which I thought was really interesting. So, you're General Mercado. You've just seen your armoured car get completely riddled by this aggressive force coming out of the back of a transport plane with a very heavily armed vehicle. What is going through your mind when you decide to walk out (laughs) and parlay with no weapons, no equipment, no backup, no white flag? I guess he, he, if he's identified these as the G.I. Joes, he may well be aware of their kind of code of conduct and that they're not going to shoot first, ask questions <laughs> later. Well, the mean dog might have its mean dog insignia, but uh, Gallant uh, unfortunately stopped short of um, including the, the, the G.I. Joe livery that's typically plastered all over G.I. Joe equipment. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, maybe we're just assuming that, that he knows that they're Joes and he's like, they'll play by the rules if I just identify yeah. myself as a official... You know, I'm not a militia member. I'm not a rebel. I'm actual actual Sierra Gordo army. I don't know. I think, I mean, he's he's ballsy as all hell. And this is the first of three really big examples of, like, justification after the fact. Right. That I've found in these two issues. And, okay. And the, the, what I speak of when I say justification after the fact is, like, um, the, the reader is oblivious to the fact that the armored car was actually manned by robotic rebels and so they were a hostile element within general mercado's own armed forces but then we get the reveal and the armored car sort of the burning wreck springs open and terminator style the blue ninja cobra robot battle android trooper springs out with a grenade and he's like oh whatever i'm a revolutionary i'm a rebel die (laughs) Yeah. So, did he have prior knowledge that his command was being infiltrated by these bats? Good question. I guess he must have done. Must have done. 
I mean, it seems like he's had experience with them because he pulls out a gun and he's like, well, they're amazingly resistant to standard ammunition, but I happen to carry a forty-four Magnum. Blam. <laughs> yeah. So it speaks to like the insider knowledge that he must have had in stepping out in front of the Joes and being like, well, geez, thanks for taking care of that armored car that just so happened to be filled with my enemies as well as yours. Yeah. Because had it been a different situation and had it been his flesh and blood allies... I don't think he would have been as quick to side with the Joes. It was like, these guys just took out my men in that vehicle. We're going to get some payback. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, this, as I say, it's just one, it's the first example of like knowledge after the fact. Instead of foreshadowing right. it, it's like aftershadowing yes. it. Yeah, good catch. We're going to add the justification after the event has taken place. Well, if, if you spotted that, how, how do you feel about some of the Joes being able to ID gunfire from fairly far away because I think while Bill says in the containment hangar he says that was a grenade that just went off and before that it was a 44 Magnum and then I think Shipwreck says or no it's uh, Duke is it good ear while Bill and that burst of Gatling gunfire we heard earlier could have been the mean dog so <laughs> these guys know their weaponry no doubt come on chief you're a gamer I mean like <laughs> the, the AK-47 for instance has a distinctive clatter yes you know, the AK and its variants sound pretty much the same. And I'm sure the mean dog, the only thing that sounds like that is like the gun from like a, a warthog, you know, the ground yes. attack aircraft yeah. or a rattler, for instance. You know, that's pretty distinctively brutal. Yeah, that's fine. I don't mind it at all. I, I, I just thought it was quite, I didn't <laughs> chuckle at that bit. <laughs> I buy it. I do not buy shipwreck being vaulted over the um, barbed wire on top of that fence. No, it's no. like just uh, you know the next time they turn their back like just throw me over the fence i'm like buddy you're gonna get tangled son interestingly here the terrorists have revealed themselves now so we can mm. see that they are fully on the kind of blue ninja bat hybrid kind of contraptions and i thought it was also interesting that they've got a guy in charge who is cbx001 and I was thinking, wasn't there another 001? And it was like, oh, yeah, there was BN001, who was obviously Blue Ninja mm. leader, and then CBX001. So what does CBX stand for? Was you that, want, you that... want to take a stab at it, Chief? I don't have inside knowledge. I'm also just, like, okay. making it up. But All uh, right. um, what would you say? No, I didn't know if there was anything that had been dropped in the comic that I'm missing. But no, I don't know. I'm cyber... I don't know. If I was to guess, I mean, just, like, going off the... Sadly, rather like unoriginal naming convention for the Blue Ninjas being BN001. It's like, yes. why would they call themselves that? That's like what people yeah. called them before they knew any better because they, you know, they had martial arts training and they wore blue camo. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> just using that as my precedent, I would say that C is Cobra, B stands for Blue Ninja, and X is Experimental. Cobra, Blue okay. Ninja, Experimental. I don't know. All right, yeah. That's... I like it. I like it. Ding, ding, ding. Done. <laughs> I live to be surprised. Come on, Harmer. Prove me wrong. <laughs> the two pages where they kind of reveal themselves has my favourite panel of the issue, and it's the bottom right one where the the lead guy, CBX001, gets on a little minecart, <laughs> and he's, he's going on down this rail, and it just looks so comedic. It's brilliant. Oh, man. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I assume those little things exist, but it, yeah. it's it's not a good look. <laughs> I love it. It's fantastic. I love it. I love it. It's 
comedy, pure yeah. comedy. That's it. Yeah, so it's all go- you know, it really is all going down now. The Joes, and I had postulated last week that maybe the Joes had been captured on purpose, but as it turns out here, no, they hadn't. They just had literally had been caught unawares and had had been taken captive big time yeah yeah. Yeah. look it's nice it's nice that something was able to catch them by surprise they they thought they were going to defuse a terrorist situation they actually bungled into a trap but you know the only the only one person pays the price well no i should say two people pay the price for that trap and one of them wasn't with their life yeah Yeah, but though the the ambassador wasn't the intended victim he was the bait like the joes were the look it remains to be seen what the upshot of this is. The pit has been taken. Like, in the interim, Cobra has won, yeah. essentially. Yeah. It happens, like, not even between the pages. It probably happens between the issues. Between 196 and 197. Yeah, because there's a bit here later on, after the Pale Peony Jinx bit on the sub on the, on the tram. The first page we get of the pit, it just says, in Utah, and... Everything's all the Conson huts are a smoking wreckage, and this is where we see Timber Three, Scarlet, and Snake Eyes. And then I'm looking at Cobra Commander and Mindbender and a Televiper in kind of like a command module, and I'm assuming that they are back in a Cobra base, but they're actually not. They're in the pit. The last time we saw them, they were in a nerve center, similar nerve center, surrounded by screens. And you know, as you mentioned at the time, like uh, Mindbender was licking Cobra Commander's ass and. They were like musing about, oh, my master plan has come together and I didn't tell anybody. And now we changed the setting completely, but it looks the same. It is such a confusion. On the next page, he's looking at a video camera feed of a broken down hut. So (laughs) I, I guess he could be deep in the pit and he's looking at, you know, footage from above. And then he kind of calls out, uh, full alert, shoot anybody not in a Cobra uniform. And we see a tonnage of Cobra His Tanks and drivers kind of mounting up. And then later on, maybe in the next issue, where a load of Cobra troopers get taken down and or wounded, and they kind of haul themselves back, and they come in front of and before Cobra Commander. So he clearly is in the pit. Chief, I did a double take, I did a triple take, and I repeated it all again when I did this reread. I'm like, what? Flicking back to the previous issues... Yeah, I was flicking through pages to find out when this happened. Now, what has happened here? Well, tell me what's happened here. Well, in the previous issue, he was saying, oh, my master plan, now the pit is empty. But and... tell me what's happened here from a comic production point of view. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Has Larry simply forgot what he wrote the previous issue? Or was there supposed to be a one-shot tie-in that never got released? Or was it literally Larry just thinking... I'm not going to tell this particular part of the story. I'm just going to let the readers assume what has happened. Look, what I'm going to pull out of my ass right this second as of 9.34 on Tuesday the 23rd, 2020, uh, June. June? Is it June? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll do. Is that Larry was like, we've done Cobra Invades the Pit so many times. Let's just leave it out this time. Let's just have Cobra in the pit. (laughs) Not just yeah. <laughs> in the pit in terms of manpower, but they fully installed like an entire motor pool of his tanks into yep. the pits. Motor pool. <laughs> it's like all of this has happened without any page time whatsoever. And I guess I'm not opposed to it, but it is going to catch the reader by surprise and 
you know, make us all flick back through previous issues thinking, well, did we miss something? Exactly. I think I when when I'd finally the dust had settled and I'd spent 20 minutes trying to work out what happened. I was like the same as you. I'm like, I'm not opposed to I'm not I haven't got an axe to grind or I've got no beef here. And it was just come to the realization that okay fine they invaded the pit and Mm. because he had said that all the joes had left no one was there this is a great time so he'd done all the setup all the premise was there and we've just skipped out the the two issues of invasion like you said which we've seen multiple times before let's just cut to the chase let's just get to the end the end result and then after all that had happened i'd realized i was like okay fine i'm I'm actually okay with that that's you know i don't have any problem with it yeah i mean the only nitpick is, of course, uh, the events in Sierra Gordo seem to be happening real time. The events in Utah feel like they should be taking a lot longer. You know, Cobra's invasion of the pit, for one thing, and Scarlet and Snake Eyes' arrival and their reaction for the other. Yeah. But yeah. I, you know, whatever, like, it's comic book, very elastic timelining. So I can forgive everything except. And I blame edit. I blame editorial staff. I'm not going after Homer the man. He's got way too much rolling around in his head. Okay, go on. How the hell did they let slip that the president of Rio Lindo's name is President Velez, not Perez? Right. <laughs> yes. Issue, yes, that is that's that's a bit issue one nine seven. Man, they dropped the ball multiple times. It's not as egregious as reviving a dead character somewhat, you know, like. <laughs> Like just mistakenly. Shut up, Siri. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Could you try again? That's South African Siri, by the way. Um, yes. Anyways, even Siri wants to get involved. She's passionate it's about her. this she issue. She knows the score. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, look. I mean, just stuff like that irk me. I'm like, come on, guys. Come on. What? Who's reading this? Yeah, that's a bit bit poor. Who happens to be a marksman? Holy shit! She's a great shot. Yes. That's, yeah, yeah. In, I think in in one nine eight, doesn't isn't it where she? Oh, it's one nine seven. Yeah. Oh, is it one nine seven? They come out of the terradrome. She yeah. shoots a. She gets a battle or CBX under the chin because they've established that's where they don't have any armor on their heads. She yep. gets him under the chin from like low position, shooting up to the top of the um, the terradrome. One hell of a yeah. shot. And <laughs> this is the second instance of justification after the fact like we have no foreshadowing that she's a good rifle shot but we get no. it in the next issue that she's like oh yeah. she's actually an expert marksman okay yeah and, and i like the bit in the next issue where is it grunt who says this is president velez um <laughs> she dropped she dropped one with an eye shot at 50 yards and i like the fact that she has to clarify that uh, not freestanding supported kneeling just to uh, clarify the shot she took though i have eyes on the shot itself and she's definitely freestanding she's not kneeling okay. oh damn <laughs> so maybe she forgot <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? It was it was an action-packed... Exactly, exactly. Though, I will say that she's even down on Larry's lingo. Right. Is it a Larry Homerism when she says, get the ambassador inside, Lance Corporal, I'll police up ammo and grenades. Just that turn yes. of phrase, I'll police up ammo and grenades. It reminds me of something Stalker said when he's like, police up all brass. You know, yeah. expended casings, make sure you pick them all up so we don't leave any... Any ammo um, casing traces. Um, okay. yes. I, I think it's the Larry Harmerism. I think it is. Yeah, we've got a few Larry Harmerisms here, yeah. If you have military competence, no matter what character you are and what walk of life you come from, you speak with one voice. 
that's that's my yeah. observation yeah. Eh? definitely mm. definitely it's it's all all industries of creation whether you be a musician a novelist a comic book writer a movie producer everyone's got their own little kind of idiosyncratic ticks or routines haven't they that that makes them unique or their voice can be deciphered amongst other forms of media and you know when you hear that written down you're like oh larry Harmer probably wrote that because policia el brazo (laughs) she would have said it in espanol just just uh looking at one bit in 197 the pale peony and jinx bit on the tram whoever their mysterious arashikage associate is who mysteriously disappears when they get off i figured out who it is you can tell me who it is i totally figured out who it is okay were you about to talk about uh, how he dispatches one of those um, he, CBXs? Yeah, he, he puts his hand right through one. Well, it should be clear to any lover of comic book literature at that point who that guy is. Okay. It can only be the immortal Iron Fist. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> I focus my chi into my fist until it becomes, it becomes like a, unto a thing of, of iron. iron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like Danny Rand, actually. He's a good character. I like Iron Fist. Oh, this might be a different Iron Fist to Danny. I don't know. Danny Doesn't Danny always yeah. have his blonde locks? He's got blonde. And also, there are, like you said, there's multiple Iron Fists through the, yeah. through the history of that character. So, yeah. Larry either wrote or edited Power Man and Iron Fist in the late 70s. Well, it's a striking image. He literally just puts his open hand through this guy's chest. And I think, oh man, yeah, no, I can't recall what uh, what Larry's contribution was, but I, I do remember seeing him credited uh, in... Yeah, definitely. ...in Iron Fist Definitely. Books. He may have even been writer and editor. But um, Amazing. The other thing of note in 197 is Lola turns up. Buddy... Okay, I know I've, I've managed to peg who this mysterious Oshikagi guy is, but who Lola is, that's She's, the third thing, bro. It is, because I know I see where you're coming from now, because in the next issue, Grunt says, I knew when I married someone who was X amount of pay grades above me. Um, <laughs> totally. So, yeah. It's like, you will get the answers you're looking for, but only after the fact. They're never yeah. foreshadowed. They're only ever after. Anyways, I've said that once already. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm interested in the, um, the use of flame weapons. Firstly, props on Galant in getting, like, once again, nailing equipment. Charbroil's equipment on page 13 of 197. Amazing. Yes. But he fires a plume of, of jellied gasoline at the blue net or the CBX. And, I don't know, Shipwreck must be, like, maybe two meters away from the guy. That's going to mark. <laughs> Buddy, jeez, is that how flame weapons work? Yeah. I mean, yeah. dead-eye accuracy. But hey, <laughs> if barbed wire can't take out old Shippy, bit of bit of errant flame won't, uh, won't singe the man. Yeah. Now, listen, I do want to talk about the cover of 198, what happens inside. And Mm. when you see the scene of Roadblock getting it, he is taking it full centre mass. And you can see the exit wound and it does not look good. And the the man is a goner, surely. And then he gets up. Then he gets up (laughs) and uh, strips the weapon from the, the CBX unit, hands it to Shockwave, your man, who then dispatches him. But, uh... Roadblock is made of uh, tough stuff. Jeez, yeah. No, that is insane, man. I guess we have seen Lieutenant Falcon stitch up his face. Uh, fortunately, we didn't see Roadblock patching himself up because that would have been a bit too much. You know what it reminds me of? A moment in, I think, issue 19 where Dr. Venom blasts Quinn in the back with his Luger, close range. Yes. And Quinn just 
turns around uh, with a sort of a smirk on his face and then kind of like yeah. lays out the grenade as you like it. I mean, what a what an absolute fucking stud. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's, that's good, good comparison. Yeah. Super hard to still have the drive and gumption and ability and like like zen to get shot and do your job while the adrenaline's still pumping through your veins rapidly ebbing as the blood seeps out of your chest yeah and you know there's there's a lot of guys there at the end kind of helping him patching him up and they say he's 30 minutes away from you know proper medical care so Mm. we're assuming that roadblock is going to survive uh, how do you feel about Junkyard? Because he kind of takes centre stage in the first few pages of this issue. Wonderful. Uh, Larry Harmer's a dog fan himself. He's got a little pug, I think. <laughs> right. I don't know. Are you are you a fan of animals, Chief? Yeah, I like animals. I like animals. Yeah. We can't have cats because the missus is allergic. Mm. She doesn't like dogs because <laughs> she says they're too much hard work. Fair enough. And so she's determined that when we move house and... You know, we get a bigger garden. She wants to raise chickens. Hmm. Okay. But huh? She wants to raise them, not to not to farm the eggs. Not to farm the eggs, but then give to neighbours okay. and not to kill, just to have as pets. They're lousy pets, chief. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had hens growing up. Um, okay. I mean, the eggs are fine, but geez, just make sure you don't have a rooster. Okay. They're noisy bastards. Yeah, if you value your sleep. My father used to put our rooster in a cardboard box in the garage yeah. to try and fool him that the sun hadn't come up yet <laughs> until it was a, a, a more reasonable yeah. hour. Couldn't fool that rooster, though, could you? Oh, no, wait. A roast rooster? Did I Holy blow... moly, you are a man of mega talents. Did I blow out the mic? Probably. So the listeners won't get the benefit <laughs> of that. But, um, yeah. Well, buddy, I played a character called Rooster in a production of Annie some years oh, wow. back. Yeah, had great fun. He's a he's a nasty bastard. <laughs> but it, it, his signature, because he's a few um, screws loose of a six-pack, yep. uh, is he, he does this crow every okay. so often. <laughs> right. I guess to give people a fright of their lives. Good stuff. Stay tuned on the Chief Family uh, Pet Update. Um, <laughs> so the, I'm just flicking. Th- I'm literally just flicking through the issues now, uh, picking mm. at talking points. There's a real cool page where Roblox just gone down. The other Joes have literally just picked up implements that are at hand, shovels, pickaxes, and they're going to work on one of these CBX uh, chumps. Mm, good stuff. No, that, that's like violence on... A murdering robot is always kind of gleeful violence. Yes. You want to see that. I don't know if I'd want yes. to be happy watching the Joes go to town on like a flesh and blood well. cobra trooper. No matter how <laughs> much of a bastard he's been. What? Sajaz. As, uh, as, he, as he cuts through their Achilles heels. I mean, jeepers. <laughs> Though, once again, after the fact, we're told very cleverly, and this is... This is stuff that I love. Oh, man. This is when Harmer's at his best. When he is, like, actually giving legit strategy lessons in the pages of G.I. Joe. Yeah. Because, no shit. By keeping your enemy wounded and not dead, you know, a a corpse you can just chuck onto a heap. A a wounded comrade you're going to have to tend to. Unless you're completely without any compassion. Yeah. Because even Cobra... Even Cobra's not leaving their troops on the deck to bleed out. And if they did, that would really put a dent in morale. 
Yeah, 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 of course. And that's, like I said earlier, this is where you see a couple of Cobra Troopers on the next page uh, hauling this injured guy back, and that's where, you, you know, you get your explanation from Mindbender, like you said. But jumping back to that page where Snake Eyes and, well, and Timber 3 and Scarlet are inflicting this damage, it is brutal. And I think they've tried to stem the brutality by obviously having it in Blacked Out Shadow, which almost makes it even more prominent, I would say. Because you've got that blood splatter. You've got the black, but then you've just got the, the red blood on Timber's face and gushing out of the wounds. Which leads me to believe it's less a censorship move and more an artistic yeah. choice. I think. Yeah, no, I think you're right. The brutality is somewhat um, amped up. The black is so prominent. You know that Snake Eyes is cutting through meat. If this was yeah. well lit we'd see so much more detail. It would be visually distracting from the violence. But because it's yeah. in blackouts, because they've killed the lights and they're inflicting this violence and just making the bloodshed pop, I've got one word written in my notes about that page. It's just, Go on. wow. Yeah. It's it's brutal as all hell, but it's beautiful. Yeah, the execution, the panel <sighs> design, the close-ups, everything is is done with a purpose. And like you said, it's it's you know master storytelling really, isn't it? And you see everyone going to town. Snake Eyes is cutting tendons. Trip is laying into people's feet as well. Scarlet's uh, managed to put arrows through two Cobra Troopers. Uh, even yeah. Falcon, you can see his, his beret. You can definitely tell that's Falcon with his, All right. yeah, his, yeah, yeah, yeah. his suppressed pistol. Kneecaps a guy yeah. from about, like, that looks like 10 meters. No, maybe yeah. about seven or eight. But that's a pretty good pistol shot. Jeez. In the dock. That's one we'll definitely post up on the socials along with the uh, CBX unit on the minecart, please. And then the next page, even Psychart gets in on the action by coming over the PA and saying, ha ha ha, you're all trapped down here and none of you know where the secret emergency exits are. Although he has, he's given a little bit of information there that there are security exits. <laughs> yeah, true. But I mean, like, yeah, just a bit of psych- psyops going on there. It kind of made me wish Mainframe also played his hand by, like, I don't know, just uploading some kind of nasty GIF or GIF. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a, uh, 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 you're not going to leave here alive. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, yeah, nice. (laughs) Like, uh, what's the name? Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Homework for the chief. Yes. Okay. What a I have got homework, actually, because... You mentioned, I don't know if we, I think you probably, we did do it on air. I said I watched Scarface. You said, have you watched Dog Day Afternoon? And I sent you an image because on one late one night, I was scrolling through the, the, the channels on the TV and, oh, wait a minute, Dog Day Afternoon was on. So I recorded it. I haven't got around to watching it yet, though, but that is homework mm. in the diary. The, listen, the brutality was visually on display there, you know, going forward like four pages. And there's another bit of real hard hitting dialogue here. And General Hawk is almost telling Straw Hacker to commit suicide here. Well, not. He's not. Te- he's almost. He is telling him because Straw Hacker has been kind of rumbled yeah. as the bad guy behind this whole thing. And Hawk's there with the jugglers. And at the end, he says, we're sending marshals to escort you back to D.C. for a hearing. But everybody at DOD State and Langley would be happier if you went to your hotel room and off yourself. Basically saying, go and kill yourself. I mean, that is not something you expect to hear from a G.I. Joe. No. And I mean, we're so used to these kind of more bureaucratic uh, military personnel, like mincing their words. But not Hawk, man. He has gone straight for the no pun intended jugular. (laughs) 
yeah, offed yourself. I mean, okay, it's a little bit of a euphemism, but it, it's, it's it, it, the implication is clear. It's like you have two options: either rot away in a prison cell for the rest of your life, or yep. the bullet, quick, or clean. The bullet, your choice. Oh my god! Wow, that is really <laughs> powerful stuff, man. And look at the look at his face. <laughs> Hawk has an edge to him, man, that doesn't get to see much light. Maybe it's the cartoon series that we have to blame for that, like Hawk being this kind of father figure to the Joes, but he has the the depth of character, the potential to be a complete asshole. Like yeah. cutthroats, like the mission above all else. Like he's painted as one of the boys from time to time. His file card certainly paints that picture. But in this issue where he's literally, as you say, like advising... A, a, a sort of a deep cover man to kill himself and then way back in one of my favorites two issue arcs good old whatever to succeed is to f- what to succeed is to fail to what? to uh, win is to conc- die uh seven and eight number seven and eight yeah with that's October it, Guard. Man. where you know hawk's playing his own team he's like yeah. you guys were the diversion the real uh, experimental aircrafts got shipped out two days ago. You know, yeah, it, yeah. it was it was no it was no of little consequence if you guys lived or died as long as we got what we came for. You know, yeah. So um, there's that. How do you feel overall then? Because the Sierra Gordo stuff seems to have wrapped up, and like like we said on issue on next episode, we'll just be covering. Um, I don't know if we did say it, but we'll just be covering issue one nine nine next week because we've got the awards show as well, and then <laughs> issue 200 on the following week with some special guests. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> but now the focus is going to shift on those next two issues to the pit. Do you feel the Sierra Gordo stuff was wrapped up um, satisfactorily? It leans so much on what's coming next. Right. You know, like the most exciting element, because this was a botched operation, the most exciting element is seeing G.I. Joe triumph ultimately. I yeah. feel like the payoff is only going to come in 200. I know. Are you pushing me for a rating on this? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, this story, like, we'll, we'll give a rating, I, th- I, I think, and I haven't read 199 or 200 mm. yet to know, but I'm assuming we'll give a rating when we finish number 200 for this whole, okay. this whole arc of when the Sierra Gordo and Clutch thing there started. So, but I mean, you know, I like the way that, this kind of wrapped up the Sierra Gorda stuff, and now it's rumbling on to conclude in the pit. And we, you know, we had the the CBX units. They showcased how good they really are because they were able to catch the GI Joe team off guard. Ultimately, the Joe team did prevail in that scenario, which, which was nice. I thought everything flowed really well. The Jinx Pale Peony stuff is still somewhat intriguing, but yeah, I, th- I think the book is kind of motoring along at a good pace. Yeah, there's a lot to like about this sequence. It's nice to see the Joes on the back foot. They do manage to turn the corner quite rapidly, though, which is also fine by me. There's some inexplicable things that kind of are detractors. Lola, for one. Right. I still... She's a big blank. Listeners, please get hold of me. Let me know that Lola has got a few comic book issues devoted to her, or at least just more than what we've got, because she's now some uber spy. At least in Larry's canon, uh, and it's her, his character. He can do with what sh- what he he pleases, but it's it's too inexplicable to not jar me. Yeah, no, look, it's it's fine. It's it's good fun, <laughs> I guess. I, I, I know enough about the toy, unfortunately, to know that the mean dog 
could have been utilized differently in that you don't have to have everyone riding on the on the surface of it. It's got three seats up front and two seats in the back. Yeah. So like, you know, that was just a money shot really to have as many Joes as possible on display. What's interesting is that even the Sierra Gordeaux incident, which gets all these nice tidy bows tied in it at the end of this issue, uh, 198, we still don't know what happened to Stalker's team. No, you're right, actually. Yes, you're, you're yeah. quite correct. I say it's all wrapped up in Sierra Gordo, but yes, that is a big missive right mm. there. As we've seen from Larry before, he likes these little plot threads and subplots um, to, to meander on, on a little bit. So, you know, I'm excited to see see what's coming up. So we won't yo-jo this right now. We'll hopefully do that on uh, number 200, but uh, wait and see. Um, listen, we've talked comics. Uh, a natural progression from this is to talk toys, and I think you're the man for the job. Steve talks about toys, ho ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Oh, Chiefy, Chiefy, Chiefy. Are you going to be able to guess this one? Now, there is no Lola figure, I assume. Mm. Uh, If there's not, do we want one? Question for the listeners. Do we want a Lola figure in our lives? (laughs) I think, yeah, yeah, why not? You know, more female representation is never a bad thing. So th- that aside, uh, I think you're going mean dog. Um, oh, Chiefy, mind like a sieve, my friend. Don't you recall Chris did the mean dog? Okay, uh, no. So, <laughs> well, I do. Uh, let, let me try again. Let me try again. Fair enough. You, uh, you know I've got a mind like a sieve. Everyone knows that. Come on. That's, I'll tell you what, it's great having a mind like a sieve because you can get away with so much stuff. Uh, pretending you didn't remember so i'm gonna go with is it a figure yes because there's not much vehicle action on display here Mm -hmm. is it a it's not going to be a cobra figure because they didn't really feature enough i don't think uh who roadblock oh yeah i suppose he has that one major moment to shine i'm not saying it's him i'm just saying in the name roadblock so my actual choice is (laughs) Uh, <laughs> hey, but he is on a cover. I was about to say, cover. I was about to say something that would probably give it away. But uh, um, Roadblock Two adorns a cover. Uh, okay. Oh, so you are. Is I'll stick with Roadblock. <laughs> no, no. Uh, this oh. particular character has even. Well, I don't know. It's it's debatable as to who has more cleavage on display. Scarlet. The, <laughs> there you go, buddy. Okay. Okay. But flicking back to the cover of one nine eight, does is Roadblocks. Well, okay, he's got a bandage covering up his chest. Okay, so, yeah, right. it's, it's, it's all about Scarlet today. Yep, cool. And I suppose most specifically, the very first Scarlet we ever got. 82 yes. and 83. She got go. a release in the United Kingdom in 1985 on a Pally toy card. But I, I would wager that you'd never had any brushings with this figure. Me? Yeah. Uh, bear me two seconds. Uh, you can, you know, vamp, talk for a little bit while I rummage through a box. I can only anticipate that she was probably, like, hen's teeth uh, in the United Kingdom. Simply because the mould saw previous use as Quarrel, the uh, Z-Force ram driver. Good old Hedda Pulver. Birthplace uh, Switzerland, I think. Geneva? Yeah. Right. Oh, Chief, what's yeah. he doing? He's rummaging hard. <laughs> I'll continue to riff, I guess. Um, here comes the file card information. You might want to hear this, Chief. I don't okay, know go on. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. 
Counterintelligence, codename Scarlet. File name O'Hara Shauna M. Primary military specialty, intelligence. Secondary military specialty, classified. Birthplace, Atlanta, Georgia, grade E5. And Chief has just sent me a photograph of his Scarlet faction figure. Chief, I hate you, buddy. You got one of these? Yeah, boy. Yeah, I had this. I've had this for, you know, when it first came out. Bloody hell, man. I've got one coming at me in the post, I hope. I, and oh, wicked. I, it, well, let me continue with the file card and we'll get into yeah. the, the drama of Scarlet. <laughs> Scarlet's father and three brothers were martial arts instructors. She began her training at age nine and was awarded her first black belt at age 15. Graduated advanced infantry training and ranger school, special education covert ops school, marine sniper school, special air service school, marine taekwondo symposium. She's a qualified expert on the M14, M16, M1911A1, M79, which is a grenade launcher, M3A1, the M700, the Remington sniper rifle, the MAC-10, the XK-1 power crossbow, Throwing stars, K-Bar, I've swapped the order here slightly because the last thing that she's a specialist on, on. is the garrot. Oh yeah, boy. <laughs> she's, just, she's a specialist on using a piece of piano wire to strangle people. Jeez. Yeah, you know it. That's like a Black Widow kind of, you know, uh, KGB kind of stuff. Love it. Buddy, she is G.I. Joe's Black Widow. The Red Room, yeah. Except she's from Georgia instead of uh, Soviet Union. Moscow, yeah. Exactly, that's yeah, great. Uh, the quote at the bottom says, Scarlet is confident and resilient. It's remarkable that a person so deadly can still retain a sense of humor. Does she retain a sense of humor? I don't know. <laughs> I think of uh, Tanks for the Memories, where the guys are having a go at her, and she's like, yes. all business. She's like... The only thing I like about tanks is when they're behind cover laying down heavy fire. Yeah, that's a that's, good one, actually. Yeah. They're like, oh, now, man, it's amazing. Now, uh, now, but can you plug in a Pac-Man cartridge? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you um, had this figure, you bastard. Yeah, when did this come out then? I don't know. Ooh, well, 85 in your neck of the woods, right. but perhaps yeah. you got it a little bit later. I mean, it's no surprise that there was a release gap. I did have the... What's the repaint job? Quarrel? Um, yes, the Z-Force, the green one. Yeah, so I had that. I want to say before this. Yes, she um, would have been. Mm. Yes, that would have yeah, been so in like that. the 83 and 84 kind of... No, probably 84. Yeah, yeah, it was probably in that second series. Look, I'm speaking beyond my ken when it comes to Pally toy releases. Yeah. I mean, we can maybe cross-check with someone in the know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you most certainly would probably have Quarrel before... Before Scarlet, yeah. I can't believe it, Chief. You've got her, buddy. Yeah. Well, then tell us about her sculpt. Tell us about your figure. You've made me notice things about figures that would have just bypassed me as a kid, and even because you know I've not been into action figures since childhood, and even now they're they're just sitting in a box. I don't do anything with them. You know, I I I love the fact that you and the vast percentage of the listeners you know, actually get out and play with your figures and kind of revel in them. That's that's fascinating and, and brilliant. But it's made me look at things like the moulded bits of, of the uniform, which I would have completely ignored or bypassed. So I'm just looking here at her right glove and it's got two throwing stars attached on that one. Sorry, uh, what did I say? On the right, on the left glove. Sorry, did I say right glove? On the left leg, on the thigh, she's got a kind of a knife 
Well, not, not kind of a knife, it is a knife. If I move over to the right thigh, this looks like some kind of, it just looks like a pouch, it may even be a camera, I'm not sure. Or perhaps an explosive device. Or an explosive device. Da-ding. Then on her left lapel strap, she's got a grenade, Da-ding. which is cool. Inside, which I've never seen before, inside right glove, there's a little holdout pistol. Almost like, you know, like a spring-loaded. Fire, yeah. Press a button, it Ooh. fires into the hand. It shoots up into the hand to fire. One shot kind of deal. Derringer. Mm. Is it? Okay, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Or a really small, um, like a, perhaps, no, I don't think it would be a Wolfer. The no. good old PPK. Yeah. But yeah, probably and, a Derringer. Hold on. And then, and then I've changed this. On the back, on a butt cheek, on a right butt cheek, it looks like a catapult, but I'm saying it's a garrot. <laughs> <laughs> How do you figure that's a garrot? It, you know, it's it's a catty, isn't it? It's got the sort of the U-shaped. You know, it is a ca- it is a catapult, but why is a member of the GI Joe team? I suppose what's it going to fire? Little mini explosive kind of things. But I think it's yeah. She maybe she's got a high tech garrot that it's not just a piece of piano wire because that might be fiddly to get out of your pocket and wrap a bit around each hand. So maybe she's got like a a garrot which is kind of pre-strung on a couple of you know, metal pincer bits that she can easily get out and kill people with. It's quite possible that she can uh, conceal her garrote in her gauntlets. So yes. that is a, a piece of armament that you can assume she has on her person. Yeah, Chief, The in an era where the molds were perhaps a little bit more basic than what we would get later with G.I. Joe, Scarlet is like a showpiece in just arming your figure without arming your figure. She came with a crossbow... Very basic weapon. She did not come with any of the other weapons that she lists as having a specialty in. Like, it would be great if she had a sniper rifle or a Mac-10 submachine gun. Yep. Uh, or, or any of those weapons, for, for example. But the sculpt did not disappoint. She has so mm. many implements of death and so much variation. I mean, we got used to seeing a grenade or two on a figure or a, a magazine sculpted on them. Or shotgun shells, in the case of Flint. But with Scarlet, it's just so varied. Explosive, a dagger, the throwing stars, the <laughs> the Derringer, which is my yeah. favorite. Uh, as you say, like on a kind of a rig that would spring it forward into her hands. And then the inexplicable catty. I still cannot come up with a, a reason for someone having that. But, man, it is just so cool that they chose to include it. Yours yeah. is in incredible shape. Because think? the danger with this particular toy, that crotch, that little lady crotch of Scarlet's is yep. so fine. The plastic is so thin that any kind of rough play, any kind of pressure that you put on that little piece of plastic, and that crotch just flies off, man. There's no looseness in any of the <sighs> joints. Hate you. The one I've got winging its way to me has a hairline crack on the crotch. I'm like, that is just going to go. Any yeah. any day now. And I like to play with my toys, man. It's going to kill me that, like... And, and to my mind, that is the only Scarlet worth pursuing because uh, she's got a long lineage of re-releases, but none of them really, to my mind, nail the essence of that first release Scarlet. There's something very superheroic about her uniform. It really steps outside of the military realism, and that's the point. You try and put her in cargo pants and it doesn't work. She becomes a Lady J clone, perhaps. Yeah. There's something very iconic about Scarlet and, and remixing her look has a lesser degree of success to my mind. Holy 
ball sacks. I've just literally put into Google scarletyojo.com and it's just giving me some hits. I'm looking at version 10, counterintelligence. That is horrific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like a grey, blue and white thing. I don't know what's going on with the hair. What's this one I've hit? Version 13. This looks like a kind of a, almost a, a re-attempt at the original design. Version 2. Oh, that's the Ninja Force one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Version, let's have a look at two more. Version 14. Okay, kind of street combat kind of look. It's not It's not too, but mm, undercover. comes from an animated okay. show where G.I. Joe actually was on the run. So very much more an undercover, okay. more civilian, possible yeah. kind of scarlet. It's, it's like G.I. Joe meets the A-Team. Okay. It was called Renegades. Mm. Okay. Version 9 doesn't look too bad. Yeah, version 9 is the 25th anniversary version in a more perhaps comic book accurate coloring. Right. So the yes. purple is a kind of a, more of a, is it indigo? It's know. more of a movie kind of thing. It's, yeah. You know, it strikes yeah. me as similar to the cover we've just, we've just saw that was. I find inc- though that that is the 25th anniversary version body sculpt. I find that to be the most successful translation of Scarlet. It's not without its problems, but Hey, they all have their problems even version one, but at least version one is version one, you know? Yeah. There's no such thing as a perfect Scarlet, it seems. It has yet to be made, in my yeah. opinion. Yep, sounds good. Ninja Force Scarlet has a beautiful head sculpt, but everything else is a complete disaster. And she has diaper crotch. She's got a T crotch to allow for a ninja kicking action. Terrible. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Interesting. Oh, God, it's bad. At least it has rooted hair. That's quite a, a fun feature. It actually has... You know, the um, a, a hair plug, <laughs> for lack right. of a better term. Yeah, so you've yeah. got like free-flowing red locks of hair. Lovely. If there was a way of somehow getting that head into the version 1 or version 1.5 body, that'd be grand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it really shows its limitations. Back in 82, 83, the Scarlet head sculpt was problematic. Yeah. But, yeah, for my money, it's the only Scarlet worth, worth pursuing still. Hmm. Yeah. I like it. Tricky. I like it. It's good. You know, I, I struggle to find many faults with any of those first original versions characters. Look, they've got nostalgia on their side, which is an important of component of all of this. It's like you can buy your favorite specific version and that will differ from person to person. But only one version is the one that we were reared on. Only one version will transport you back to 1982. <laughs> Perhaps that's a foreshadowing of a topic that we're going to be coming onto in a moment. But first, yes. but first, uh, we need to confuse some people. So it's time for Commonwealth colloquialisms, aka over egg in the pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna over egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms. We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms. Pudding, pudding, pudding Over egg that pudding Yeah, we love that pudding And the colloquialisms Oh yeah Alright chief dog oh, yeah. Yes. Call, call it up Which one shall I choose today? What is a chook? <laughs> I think that is what my wife wants to have as pets Shit Absolutely right Though <gasps> Now that I'm saying the word, okay, it is a chicken for anyone who didn't get that. Now that I'm saying the word, isn't Chucky prison? Uh, I've never heard that before. Where are you going? I've been sent to Chucky. Yeah, I've done six months in the Chucky. 
Never heard that before, but... Ah, maybe it's South African then. When you say, doesn't it mean prison, in what language of origin, what what country? Hey man, just where I'm from, and this is something that like like only white South Africans would say, which makes me think it can't be a true South Africanism. It's got to right. come from Europe, like the Chucky, but uh, obviously not. And turns out the Aussie slang for chicken being chuck uh, has found its way into my former career because... What we would say, instead of good luck, which obviously in the theatre means bad luck, you never want to wish someone good luck, yep. you say chookers. Because historically, if you did well in the theatre, you weren't given a bonus or even paid. You'd just receive meat. You'd receive chicken oh, <laughs> nice. for, a, for a meal. So chookers means you know, go out there, do well. Maybe you'll, <laughs> maybe you'll have a chicken curry tonight. Mm, I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, what you got on the on the, okay. the British side of the pond? So brother. I had I had one written down, but I'm going to save that for next week because I used one at the beginning of the show, if you recall, some 50 minutes ago. And if I was say to you, I had a prang, what would I be referring to? Oh, chiefy buddy, a motoring accident, a small one. Yes, um, it could just be uh, uh, usually referred to as motoring accidents, but you could okay. just use it for an accident or to cause a crash. So, you know, 99% of the time it is regarding yeah vehicles of some kind. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, I just quickly looked it up the history and etymology of the word prang in this ver- in this usage, and it just says origin unknown. You're getting diagnostic on us. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. What is a mither? So now you're going to Australian, yeah? No. no. Uh, Chuck was Australian, sorry. Now mm-hmm. you're going to South African. Maybe. Uh, a mither. How are you spelling it? M-I-T-H-E-R. A mither. What is a mither? Now I'm going to uh, assume that if you use this in a sentence, it would give it away. So I, hmm. so if it will, then don't don't just say yes, it would give it away and I'll, I'll continue guessing. Well, you... I don't know. No, it would, it would kind of give it away. I'm pretty sure okay, it would fine. give it away. All right, fine, like... fine. Hey, mate, go and get us a mither. Um, oh I've just been to the doctors I've got something really wrong with my mither Uh, Um, my (laughs) mither-in-law yeah yeah. no mither yeah no mither no mither no bother mither you mither me mither us no I don't know Uh, mither mither no I'm I'm blanking here you're one ugly mither (laughs) (laughs) buddy well, this is a curveball. This is not neither Australian nor South African. Right. This is Manchester slang for bother. Ah, uh, okay. At this dinner party tonight, they insisted. They're from uh, from Salford Keys, and they were like, "Yeah, man, you got to use this." Right. Because they okay. they were surprised that it wasn't global. So I was like, "Well, I got the section of my show that's dedicated <laughs> to you." Then, yeah, great stuff. Brilliant, love it, love it. Mither, as in no bother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. no mither. And if this isn't like born bred Manchester slang, then surely you would have called me out on it. I mean, if it had drifted any further south. Yeah, yeah, there you I, go. yeah. It was, you know, um, localized to to that particular region. Yeah. Mm. Very good. Lovely. C- coming out of this, uh, there's just one more segment of the show, and it is... Oh, no, you do it this time. You do it. Go on. <laughs> we ask you a question. We ask you a question. And we answer for you, and that's what we do when you ask us. We ask... <laughs> 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 no, 
No, Chief, that was deliberate. That was deliberate. No, because it was. That's the liquor talking. Um, so, <laughs> so what did we ask? What did we ask the listeners this week? Oh, jeez, I, I, I've written everything down except for the wording of the question. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll say what you said. Uh, listener question time. Who is excited about the incoming retro line and what the heck do you think we're in for? Re-release of modern figures, a return to the O-ring, classic packaging or new art? Spin those wheels and let us know your deepest toy desires. So this was new to me as well. So, and again, I don't want to keep apologising for it, but I'm not necessarily into the toy scene, but... I couldn't have avoided, obviously, those the, the six-inch line. Is it the declassified line or is it G.I. Joe classified? G.I. Joe classified, classified would be apologies. the six-inch line. Yeah, and those look really cool. And then, obviously, you've posted something here about retro line, which is obviously something completely different. And I was assuming at this point in time when we posted the question that there was very little known about what this line would be other than that tagline, retro line. So we kind of put the question out there to the fields to say, you know, what what could this possibly be and what do you want from it? Look, unless there is a massive news dump in the next day <laughs> and there, thereby making this out of date. Yes, as of today, as of recording, yep. it is still unknown what shape the retro line will take. It has been an incredibly well-guarded secret on Hasbro's part because we had leaked images of the six-inch G.I. Joe's well before the Hasbro presentation at Toy Fair this year. It kind of stole their thunder, really. And I'm kind of almost glad that they didn't do a reveal of the retro line at that show, because this is catching everyone by surprise. The most recent news is that the cases are being unpacked in the United States. They arrived from China, headed to Canada, they were unpacked there, and then they crossed the border into the United States. And so they... They are in the hands of the retailers by now, I presume. Either that or they are just about to be. So it's any any number of days or weeks before they get put on onto toy shelves. Wow. And the question really asks, you know, firstly, who's excited? Uh, Michael Woodsworth is like, who listening to this podcast or reading this thread would not be excited? Yeah. If you aren't, like, recuse yourself as a G.I. Joe fan immediately. <laughs> so we all should be excited, even Chiefy Two Shoes. Even Chief, no, you're right. Even Chief is excited. Even Chief is yeah, excited. So. I don't know if you did you catch the retro Star Wars figures? And I say retro specifically because they've been doing vintage Star Wars figures on like reproduction vintage cards, but with modern action figures in the bubble. But then they did a line of, like, proper five points of articulation vintage re-releases. Um, I haven't seen any in the flesh, okay. but yes, aware of those, yeah. Apparently they had really poor distribution, and I'm f- I'm afraid G.I. Joe has even worse distribution. Of course. Let's, yeah. let's be quite honest. I think listeners and friends in Europe and Australia and other parts of the world, we're probably not going to see these at retail I'm holding out for a miracle, and I know you are too, Chief. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. this will probably only be in the United States, Canada, and maybe some of uh, South America. So what? So maybe. we're going to have to be paying some hefty import charges, is what you're saying? Yes, absolutely right. And the universal comment that I found in these responses is, if we can have that experience of walking into a toy aisle again and seeing Carter G.I. Joe's presented as they were... It's a smart bomb, man. We are all just going to walk out of that shop with yeah. a full trolley and a 
big shit eating grin because we'll just be kids again, man. Yeah. I mean, listen, if I've spent 700 quid on Skeletrix in the past <laughs> oh, four it's weeks, up to 700. How, oh, how much? Yeah, it keeps going up. How much am I going to spend on these bad boys? So, uh, yeah, you know, this may get me buying my first action figure in, well, I don't know, how 20 years? I don't know, more than that. But, um, yeah, there was also an interesting point of view about what the figure's actually going to be. Now, there was a big percentage of people that obviously, like, you know, were saying O-rings, etc. And I think it was Bart possibly who says absolutely no way there'll be O-rings. They're way too expensive to produce. Yeah, and it's very, very telling. I mean, I'll I'll kind of give the breakdown of the numbers very briefly. On Facebook, we had two folks that were like, give us the vintage feel, but put modern figures out. Bart, obviously being realistic about it, like the O-ring tooling would be too much of a bother to reproduce It'll probably just be 25th anniversary bodies and stuff, you know, kind of made a little bit better, perhaps. Michael Woodsworth would prefer modern figures, perhaps in the kind of the the POC. Like, the modern figures got really, really, really good towards the end. And I guess he just wants to see a return to the well of the 25th anniversary releases. But having learnt the lessons that the modern era gave us, like, make them the same as modern era at their best and not at their inception if you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah uh then the overwhelming number of people on facebook went with o-ring and then there was some interesting facebook uh, dissenting opinions i'm gonna say by dave reese and joel mcmullen who were like give us something new like the o-rings but better like yeah. make some improvements because as joel went on to say he's already got a complete collection of o-rings Lucky boy. So that was that was two votes for modern, eight votes for O-ring style, and two votes for a kind of an O-ring hybrid improvement. Yes, yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, moving over to Twitter, eight people wanted the um, O-ring construction, uh, <laughs> and one fella, he, he said he'd buy anything, but he'd rather have modern era construction. And then finally, Instagram is the most even split, as it turns out. Uh, with six folks wanting O-rings as original as you can get them and five folks saying they'd rather have modern era construction. That's that's good. And thanks, as always, to everyone who contributed. We had great response to this question. Pe- you know, and that shows that people care. People want want new products and, you know, that's, that's really encouraging. And for me, from it'd be interesting to know also a breakdown of people who are very much on one side of I want modern construction or I want O-ring what do they do with their toys, with their action figures? Because what would modern design have over O-ring in terms of what's the advantage there? Is it purely a aesthetic? Or if people are leaving them in the mint-in-box packaging, then what difference does it make what the construction is? Now, I don't know. Have you got any views on that? Well, what's so great about these responses is that they canvas pretty much every viewpoint. We've got the, the mint-on-card collector types, and I think, in fact, uh, the Seddon brothers are in that camp, that it would be nice to have a collection of mint-on-card vintage-style Joes that won't cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah. That's, they, they represent the, the, you know, the let's not take them out of the packaging, perhaps. Uh, I hope I didn't get that wrong, brothers. Um, but on the flip side of that, you've got guys who like to play with their toys saying it would be nice to have toys that you're less fearful of breaking. Right. 
because you know the the vintage o-ring guys aren't getting any younger the plastic is getting more brittle the crotches and thumbs are known breaking points so give us fresh toys that perhaps address those issues by using a more durable plastic in those regions and there's yeah. no reason why you can't have a slightly mixed medium where the crotch piece is a more durable flexible plastic as is the forearms to give them flexible thumbs it's been done before it's something that if we revisited the o-ring construction we could improve upon there are guys that say that it would be fantastic to use modern paint application technology on a o-ring figure to get really detailed i mean of course the o-ring guys have their appeal but you didn't get detail on the eyes for instance it was always just one blob of color for the eyebrows the irises um that's that's my two cents by the way yeah no that that's that's good we're all still in the dark i guess until stuff gets revealed and when it does get revealed there's going to be people who are unhappy people who are happy and people who are in the middle ground so i don't it's difficult to please all the people all the time obviously with anything you do but i don't know where do you lean in terms of do you think there's a part of you personally that when they release when they reveal them you'll be disappointed or are you 100 percent whatever they do i'm gonna get (sighs) ah chief i'm just chasing those glory days right um and they'll never really come back we'll never see toys dominating or or a dominant toy like gi joe rising to the lofty heights that that they enjoyed in the 80s and early 90s it's an impossible dream it's an impossible dream and that is purely based on i think technology and the shift away from kids actively playing with physical toys in a sandbox kind of arena to using that sandbox arena online playing video games yeah look this is targeted at us (laughs) yeah of course this these are not targeted at you know seven and eight year olds to play with outside obviously because Mm. i don't even know if you know and i'd like to get uh, ben's wife emma back onto the out of timers podcast to to get her views on this as well in terms of how old school toys that we would associate with playing outside and creating you know these imaginative play arenas do kids of that age group that we were then do they still do that or is their playtime occupied by different things i don't have a uh, a, a kid who's in that age category but maybe there's some parents listening to the show who have seven eight nine ten year olds do your kids play with action figures outside in the garden i don't know i i would suggest based on nothing that it's a smaller percentage than it used to be well based on emma based on emma's findings you know she says that it is very rare to find kids self self regulate she used a great term i wish i could remember it now but like creating the world themselves creating the characters themselves role-playing those characters aren't like doing it all yourself without it being suggested by an app or a game or something so that form of play is almost gone from the world but i would say that kids who have gi joe transformer or just action figure or 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 barbie doll parent fans um or fans as parents probably are the last holdouts of that imaginative play there's a fellow podcaster by the name of jason i'm pretty sure he's listening to this and the adventures that he and his boy have are spectacular and his son goes on those adventures on his own as well. He's kind mm-hmm. of self, he's got a self-sustaining G.I. Joe mythology, which is brilliant, but I feel I feel a swell of pity for the fact that he probably as a kid of that age doesn't have peers who he can share that with. No, absolutely. Like, you had been, 
I had my buddy Rob and the neighborhood kids who would all come over and we'd have battle royale, let me tell you. So it's become very difficult for kids to sustain this. And it's a deep-seated fear of mine that this this will be gone from the world. And my <laughs> my fan films will kind of be this weird, like, <laughs> like throwback to a bygone era, which just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe then we'll find our viewership at long last <laughs> and really get that YouTube revenue going, baby. <laughs> but, oh, I found some interesting comments from Yorktown Joe. Right, okay. He would love to see good distribution, which we probably won't get. Hector Garrido Art, which is surely a must for something that calls itself a retro card. Yes. Uh, which is interesting because a fellow called Doug on Instagram wants new art. Oh, Okay. That's an interesting opinion. But uh, Yorktown also said that he would be interested in making them collector-friendly in that making them have resealable card backs. Very collector-friendly. Right. Okay, it's like you, yeah. you get to have your cake and eat it. You can play with your toy, but then still have a mint-on-card-looking collection hanging from your, your wall. So it slides back in. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, yeah. but uh, I don't know. Look, th- there's something jubilant and perhaps grossly destructive about tearing a card back you know like like we would do when we were kids to get at the toy yeah i think yeah. there's something in in yorktown joe's comment because as adults I, I i feel inhibited i feel like i can't do it like that right i don't want to damage the glorious glorious card art yeah what do you do slip a blade in and, and cut the you know cut the card i mean it, well it's interesting so i've i collect the star wars imperial assault from fantasy flight the tabletop miniature game and when i buy a pack of figures you know it's generally somewhere around eight to ten quid for one figure and when i get that package i do get the you know the stanley knife and i run that round the edge of the packaging to literally just slice it open get the figure out and then you know not that i do anything with the package it's mainly almost for resale value that if I ever decide to sell the collection, at least I can say, here's the figure, here's the box. The box has been opened, but there's no tearing of the card. There's no ripping of the plastic. Part of me thinks, my missus would say, just, you don't need those boxes. There's boxes in boxes in the corner of my loft. I'm staring <laughs> at them now, taking up loads of space. Just chuck them all out. You don't need them. Chuck them all out. Oh, but- chief. Yeah, no, the resale thing has become a problem and a really burdensome thing on our minds. Because some packages just aren't worth keeping. You know, if it's got a winning design, like a Hector Garrido artwork, oh yeah, I'm sure a lot of people rue the day they threw their, their old... Like, the vehicle boxes, for instance. That goes for big money nowadays. Yeah, I believe that. And we threw them out, like, willy-nilly, back in yeah. the day. Yeah. But there are, some, there are some packages that are timeless, and there's some packages that are just gross. Like, I look at some toy packaging designs nowadays, and I'm like, I can't wait to toss this shit out. <laughs> Star Wars Black Series has got to be the most butt-ugly presentation of all. Gross. Yuck and poo. I mean, those packages are just made to throw away. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though they are collector-friendly and they showcase the toy, it's just like, they're identical. What do you want to do? Do you want to put them on a bookshelf, like, yeah. with their spines facing outwards, so you have a, an impressive collection of numbers? <laughs> Ooh, I got an unbroken from one to fifty-two. Amazing! Yeah. Oh, yeah. gross. 
Listen, G.I. Joe retro line. I think everyone in the the G.I. Joe fan community is probably excited about this. Like we said, there's probably good... Spirited stuff. Yeah, there's probably going to be some people that are disappointed, but at least Hasbro's trying. At least they know that there's a desire for this product, whatever it might be. And, you know, I wish everyone all the best in it. So, And thank you for all the very, very thoughtful comments. There's a lively debate at one point, and yeah. I love seeing that. It's just yeah. hotly debated. This segment is nothing without you know fan interaction, so keep up the good work. <laughs> Listen, another fun pack show. Uh, seems it was a good one. I really enjoyed this one uh, today, this week, as as I always do. To be honest, it's a it's a good. I'm shh. I'm supposed to be working. So, <laughs> oh, chief, you only got. Two one-hour vouchers of loft time from your kid. I did. My daughter gave me two vouchers, which says, "Daddy, you're allowed to go in the loft for one hour." I fear you've used them up, man. No, surely they're not counted during work time. (laughs) Well, I'm allowed to go up into the loft during work. Well, you're lucky your kid is in grade R or what is it? Reception. Reception. Yeah. So, so when I it's like on weekends, if I want to go up into the loft and do skeletal tricks or play video games or whatever, then I have to use one of these vouchers to enable me to go up to the loft, which is why we want to move or I want to move and get a a house with a third bedroom because then at least I can have that third bedroom as the chief area. And even though it will be theoretically the same as the loft in the you know, it'll be my space. It feels different than disappearing into the loft where there's just opening a door and going to another room. I don't think it would be frowned upon as much by the family. So keep the dream alive. And um, to that regard, make sure you go out to the Outer Timers and uh, sign up for our Patreon so that Chief can afford a new house. <laughs> Long game. <laughs> you got a lot invested in this Patreon, Chief. But yeah. I fear that if you didn't have a loft, you might have a few more interruptions, which could be... Absolutely delightful, actually. Yes. yes. To have little kid yeah. chiming in about what you doing, Daddy. <laughs> I'd um, like to give a shout out because it, it has just been Father's Day, at least in in a lot of the world. Clearly not Australia. They have this oh. in September. Okay. But I mean, this is a more general shout out anyway. All parents during lockdown are the bloody unspoken heroes. You guys have had it tough. Like I see you. It's been over three months now of wall-to-wall, daddy daycare, mommy daycare, juggling jobs, shopping. So, respect, Chief. And you can include yourself in that number, of course. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I can't imagine it's easy. You have absolutely zero time to yourself for over three months. Holy. Yeah, it's just a game changer, isn't it? People have to find new ways of working, new ways of, of family time and stuff. And it has been hard. And, you know, everyone who is a parent can attest, listen to this, can attest to that. And I echo your sentiments, all the parents out there listening, then bang up job, you know, well done, everyone. And it's just, it's part of life, isn't it? You just get on and you just got to find ways to still make it enjoyable and fun. And I think it was difficult in the start, but then you kind of work out that, look, it's just, it is, it's a wrinkle and you just get over that wrinkle and get it done. So yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, and happy Father's Day to my dad. Happy Father's Day to Mr. Jabba Senior as well. 
Indeed. KCJ. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> you can catch us in all the usual places. That's Talking underscore Joe on Twitter, Talking Joe Comics on Instagram, Talking Joe Comics at gmail.com if you want to pop us an email, Talking Joe, a GI Joe podcast on the Facebook. So, yeah, we've got good stuff coming out there. Catch me, Chiefy Two Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Still posting out the daily art posts. I posted yesterday a Cobra Commander dribbling a basketball by the great cartoonist Kyle Starks. Go and check out his books. They're really funny, really good. I gave you some homework, actually, didn't I? Uh, how are you getting on with Joe the Barbarian? Oh, chief. Oh, too busy having piss-ups, man. <laughs> okay, I gave, <laughs> I gave S-Jubs Joe the Barbarian, eight-issue miniseries comic to read and uh, sample, so maybe we'll catch up with him next week if he's managed to get through that. Well, I tell you what, Chief, I, I, I was... In the midst of editing a, a, a G.I. Joe book podcast the other night, or in fact last night, and I was like, I'm going to treat myself to firstly the two issues that we're doing on Talking Joe tomorrow, and maybe a little bit of this uh, this comic book that Chief has shared with me. Yes. But no, 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 guess what the missus wants to do? Bloody Streets of Rage. She still hasn't gotten it out of her system. She's like, I want to I kick some ass. I want to... Okay. I want to slap some bitches. Yeah, when says, the missus says she wants to kick ass, you better do it, sir. And the things that come out of her mouth. I'm like, what? <laughs> Damn. Who is this chick? Um, where can the people find you on all your good stuff? Uh, all the usual Talking Joe places, guys. I mean, if it slips past my notice, don't worry. Chief will bang down my door and say, hey, Jubs, this guy's calling you out on something that you said in your drunken delirium on episode 78. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And check out all that G.I. Joe book content as well. It's all good good stuff as always. But um, yeah, Jeez. I've had fun. You've had fun. Listeners have had fun. Uh, let's hope next week we've got an update on this retro line. Uh, so with all that said and done, we will catch you down the road. We've been talking Joe. And we're all out of Joes. <laughs> Yo, Joe. Joe. Oh, we had one left in we the tank. 